let's obviously start working through your fighters, as I say. Start off with Cody Davis. Was it last time out? Yeah. He was um, unsuccessful against Umar Sadiq. Now, I know you wasn't there for the fight, as far as I can remember. I was in Las Vegas with Guido. Yeah, Guido was fighting. Adam was there with Cody that night. So I'm sure you'd have watched the fight back since. What was your thoughts on the performance? I watched it live. I watched it live. I watched it in our in our house in Las Vegas. I watched it. Um, do you know what it is? It, I, I've said this before. When when you lose, and this is a manager, uh, an advisor, whatever whatever team you kind of team you have, a prom, prom, you all have to take a loss together. So we lose together. It's all it's all our fault. One thing I, I said from the beginning, I told Cody, I said, Cody, you're too big for super middle. I've always said this to Cody. But because Cody is a great athlete, he can make it. It's a real horrible push to make it, but he can make it. Um, but it's a struggle for him to make light anyway because he's a naturally big boy. And that was my fear, what was going to happen. is, And I don't want to, because I keep sounding like I'm discrediting Umar Sadiq because he won fair and square. And I, and, and I like Umar. I, re, I wish him the best. I have no interest in the rematch. This is if he wants to come for light heavyweight. It's a different question. But Umar's got that win. It's a great win. But it was it was down to Cody's weight. If you watch the Zach Chelly fight, which Cody didn't perform really to his best potential in that fight, but Cody won that fight because he came on strong down the stretch. Everyone that knows Cody comes on strong like a, a steam train down the stretch. Now, if you watch the fight with Sadiq, it was the total opposite. He gassed out because it was the weight the the weight that was bringing him down he was he was uh, it just it shouldn't have happened but look we've got to take the loss together we win together and we lose together bad times and good times and Cody will bounce back I want him in a I'd like him in a in a comeback fight against someone like Chad Sugden in an eliminator for the like heavyweight British title because that's where he left off so um or if listen if Sadiq wanted a rematch at the light heavyweight but I don't Sadiq's got his ambitions at super middleweight so I, I want to kind of leave him out of there Sadiq's got his win and Really good, good luck to him. He's a great kid, so I wish him, I wish him all the best. Um, Cody's got Shakan Pitters, Chad Sugden, Craig Richards. They're all great fights for Cody. To Larone, what was the plan with Larone Richards? Oh God, that was that. Again, it was heartbreaking because we was in Las Vegas. We got Cody a fight date. Cody was going to fight the week after Joe, um, uh, defending his British title, and then after that, he was. We're looking at fighting him for the the WBC silver title against. I, I can't pronounce the guy's name. I always. I know his name. I can't. I cannot pronounce the guy's name for the life of me. So um, we had a great plan for for Lerone. The plans just got. They're up in the air, aren't they? Because of what's this this coronavirus has come and messed everything up. But I'm sure Lerone's going to be. Um, we've, well, I've spoke to Frank the other day and. Um, Lerone's going to be hopefully fighting in, uh, in, in July time, July, August, and hopefully defending his British title. Lerone, again, I don't believe you was at the, uh, his last fight against Lennox Clark. What did you make of it? Was in, I was in Vegas again. Like, we take <laughs> it in turns, and that's how it's... We take it in turns, like me and Adam, because Guido, unfortunately, usually fights on the same day as, uh, as, us, as some, of our other fight, some of our other fights. So I was in Vegas again. So I missed his British title fight um, against Lennox Clark. I thought Lerone did very well, but I can tell you this, like, no, I'm not exaggerating. I saw Lerone spar properly for the first time. Like, I've seen him a couple of rounds when uh, in, in England before spar, but I've never seen him 10 rounds back-to-back with, with top-level fighters. Lerone is world-class. Lerone has shown absolutely 40% of how good he is so far. Um, so, Lerone, for me, will win a world title. That's what I was going to ask, you know, I know he's, he's sparred with Billy Joe Saunders in the past. You've got Billy Joe and Callum Smith as two of the leading super middleweights. How far off 
those guys do you feel the Ronies? Um, I don't want to listen. Billy Joe, Billy Joe Saunders is elite level. Um, Callum Smith is elite level. But aside of them, I think Lerone, Lerone, Lerone. Lerone's the best light heavyweight in Britain, um, the best super middleweight in in, uh, in Britain domestically. As we touched on Billy Joe there, he was due to face Canelo before yeah. all of this had, uh, had come about. What was your thoughts if, if that fight was to go ahead when boxing resumes? I've always said, I've always liked Billy Joe in that fight. Cause Billy's my, my friend as well, but like I just think Billy's got the style. Whether he'd get the decision or not is, a, is, a, is another question in Vegas, but... Um, I think Billy's got the style to beat absolutely anybody. I think he's a, on his day, Billy's unbelievable. I see earlier on you mentioned uh, Guido Vianello. How is Guido? Guido's good. He's been training since December. In, he literally had Christmas with his family in Italy, flew to Las Vegas. Uh, he was due to fight in Canada. I can't remember the date. In March, I think it was. He's been training ever since in Las Vegas. He's been away from his family because what he usually does is have a couple of fights and then he goes home to Italy for a few months and comes back. But he's been out in Las Vegas training. Like, if you look at the shape he's in, he's in unbelievable shape. Um, he's finally going to get a fight uh, in the next in the next few weeks. What is the plan with Guido? How, how do you see kind of this year playing out? Because from what I've seen, from what I've, from people who I've spoken to from America, certain states have different regulations or rules that are in place to deal with the, the coronavirus. It seems yeah. to be that people who are training out in Vegas have a bit more leniency or they can work around the current situation how, how do you the plans playing out for, for Guido um well listen our plan was Guido we want to bring him back to Italy at some point because he's got a big fan base in Italy um we was we wanted to step him up before the year was out but I think Guido's only going to get a couple of fights probably this year if he's two two I'd love to get him out two three times that'd be great but we, I want to step him up I want Guido to fight the the the, the the obvious fight to make for me is against Sonny Conto. I don't know whether you've heard of him. Sonny, Sonny Conto is, is top ranks, another top rank, young top rank heavyweight. I think he's from Philadelphia. And that's a great fight. Two young heavyweights, 50-50 fight. Let's get it on. We'll take that fight in, in we'll take that fight at the end of the year. How do, you, how do you guys kind of plan to operate around the American shows, knowing about some travel restrictions starting to be put in place now? How are you guys going to anticipate it will play out to try to travel out to try and manage your situations um to be honest man i'm i'm hoping that like, like, you've got to be positive i think that this virus is going to clear i, I watched uh, i watched uh, the news this morning and the, the, the kind of at a race with they, they need a certain amount of people to be infected so they can kind of test te, te, put do the the, the um the vaccine so I'm hoping this this virus is going to be cleared up by the last quarter of the year and um, hopefully get crowded by the end of the year, if not early part of 2021. Oh, man, that'd be brilliant if that was to, to be the case. Obviously, um, You've got to be positive. You've got to be positive or we'll all end up flipping, banging our heads against walls. It's, you've, got, you've got to remain, remain positive. So just to move on to another one of your fights, Florian Marku, plans yeah. with Florian. How do you kind of see the year for Did you see the year for <laughs> Florian rings me every day saying, "Bro, uh, Sam, I, I, I need a fight. I need to fight." Like he's, if you watch his Instagram with social media, Florian Marku is such a dedicated athlete. He really is. He's in unbelievable shape. He's ready to go now. I would put Florian with with any. I'd put him in in with any welterweight in Britain right now. Who do you see as the number one welterweight in, in Britain currently? Um. Tell me the top five. 
Well, the top two, you'd say... Josh, Brooke, Josh. Uh, if Brooke was to stay as a 147, you've got Brooke, Josh Kelly, Khan... Is Amir Khan? Yeah, that, that's why I asked, that's why I asked like, who's active. Like, I, I mean, talent-wise, Josh Kelly. Josh Kelly's... I've seen Josh Kelly in the gym. I, I really rate Josh Kelly, and I hope Josh Kelly's... I mean, he's been getting a, stick, a bit of stick in his last couple of fights, but he's been thrown in the deep end as well. He fought um, Ray Robinson in his 10th fight, and he, he got a lot of stick after that fight, and it's... That's that's a hard fight. Do you know what I mean for anyone? And he's still, do you know what I mean? He's still, he's still a novice, a novice pro in that kind of in that kind of respect. He's, he's. I think Josh Kelly is Kelbrook a welterweight. I don't know. Like I think Kelbrook should have moved up ages ago. Amir Khan, you've got to put Amir Khan probably at one um, if he's still going to fight, and then Josh Kelly, Connor Benz, and then and, and everybody else. Just to touch on Brooke, we've mentioned, uh, obviously mentioned him there. There was talks of that potential Terence Crawford fight at the beginning of all of this. How do you think Kel would have fared against Terence? I, I no, I, I like Kel, but it's a one-way fight for for, for Terence Crawford, in my opinion. Brook Brook shouldn't be making one four seven. He struggled for years to make that weight. Um, Brook should have. I remember being ringside watching. Jarrett Hurd against Jason Walborn, uh, I think uh, the Fury Wilder undercard. I remember sitting there watching that fight, and I was thinking in my head, I think Kel Brook would have a real chance here in this division. Do you know what I mean? Like he's a move up, fight him, and then I think I don't know. I, I think he stuck around at one four seven a little bit too long for me, Kel Brook. So in, in answer to your question, I know I'm kind of rambling on. I, I think Terence Crawford, he's my pound for pound number one, Terence Crawford. So I think Terence Crawford would have would have would have beat him definitely. I mean, at 154, there has been talk of that Liam Smith fight. Great fight. That's a great fight. Yeah, I'm interested in that fight. It's a great fight. How do you think it would have played out or would play out? Mm, I like Liam Smith. Good operator, very good operator. I don't know. I actually, and, and I'm not sitting on the fence there. You know, I'm, I don't ever sit on the fence. I actually don't know how to call that fight. Because if Brooks still got plenty left in the tank, that's a, that's a really, I don't know. It's, it's, I really don't know. So I'm a couple more things before I do leave you to enjoy the rest of your day. Obviously, I've seen a few things coming up over social media that you're looking, or maybe not looking, but some rumours that promoting might be around the corner for yourself. Is that an avenue or something that you're looking into? Do you know what? I get, I've been asked this like so many times that like, if I want to be like a promoter, like, but right now, who knows down the line? Do you know what I mean? Like, you, you don't know down the line, but right now, I believe I'm very good at what I do managerially um, with my fighters. I mean, I, I, I'm very, we give a very close personal service to that or to what to our, to our fighters. We, we, I've got, I've got my, uh, I've still got my, um, my years in that, but who knows that, who knows down the line, but I think I, I think I'd be a, a tremendous promoter. And then some final things, we've obviously touched on the heavyweight division quite a bit today. There's always been a lot of talk about that potential undisputed heavyweight title fight between two Brits in Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua. If we yeah. was to see that fight in the near future, how do you think it would play out? Um, I've always listen. I, again, I always, it sounds like I'm discrediting Joshua. I think Joshua has, has done unbelievable things for British boxing over the over the last few years. He's like he's been the spearhead. Do you know what I mean? He really has. He's done so much with British boxing, and but Tyson Fury is here and the other heavyweights are here, in my honest opinion. That, that's just my honest opinion. I think if Tyson Fury on form, 
beats anybody in the world. That's my honest assessment of that. Sam, we will leave that there now. And I will leave you to enjoy the rest of your day, as I said. I hope you stay safe during all of this and you come through the other side. And I'll hopefully see you soon. Thank you for speaking to Boxing Social. But before I let you go, what would you like to say to everyone who tunes in to watch our interview? Uh, just uh, tune in. <laughs> tune in, have a, have a listen. Hopefully we can start doing some interviews face-to-face very soon. Everyone stay safe and stay healthy. So I'll put there, Sam. We'll leave it like I say. Thanks for being to Boxing Social. That's what, mate. Take care. Yeah, people are saying the intrigue around the, the Dillian White, Francis Ngannou thing is that they could meet in either discipline and it would be almost a 50-50 fight in either or it would be intriguing in both because of the style of Ngannou, the, the way that he goes about his MMA career. What do, what do you make of that potential match? I think it's a it's a great matchup. Uh, and Garner's not a, not a very good wrestler. He doesn't love to go to the ground much. He wants to straight up have a fight with his fists. So I, I think that would be the ideal match with someone like Dillian. However, Dillian's on another level with his punches. I mean, if if Ngarni thinks he hits, I'll believe you me. If Dillian hits anyone with four arms gloves, on, they're just going to go asleep straight away. Don't get me wrong. There's a flip side to that coin. If Ngarni catches Dillian first, Dillian's going to go up like a light too. So it would literally be whoever lands first. And that's how where, that's how explosive that fight would be. Where would you like to see it? What code, or could you see one in MMA and one in boxing, like a kind of double header? No, it, it, it could never happen in a boxing ring. Francis Ngannou stands absolutely zero chance in a boxing ring. It, it, it's a completely different sport with a completely different set of rules, a totally different technique. Boxing is so different in MMA uh, that it really, really is. And Francis Ngannou does not stand a single hope in a boxing mm. ring whatsoever yeah uh, in a cage in a cage i'd probably make it 60 40 and then gown his favor purely and only because he's got the experience uh with them small gloves on that would be the only reason i would give him that slight advantage but you know as i said before dillian is such a competent fighter and is also a massively improved fighter than what we've seen he's not 18 years old anymore swinging for the lights like he was in that cage in that cage fight that i've seen he is now an established you know, ready to be world champion of his own. And, you know, I think, you know, he come on so much. You know, he's probably the most improved heavyweight in world boxing. I would go as far as saying that Dillian White, since his loss to AJ, he's took on anyone and everyone. And he's rebounded fantastically, really. Has. So it's someone I'd like to see. It's someone who massively deserves a shot. Uh, and someone I enjoy watching. As I say, he reminds me of old school fighters because he fights anyone, anywhere, anytime. And he just doesn't care. And I believe he'd go in a cage and do the exact same. But as I say, you're on a hide to nothing if you fight any fighter who's pretty good on the floor and you're and you're good at stand-up. You know, I've seen it before many a time. You're on a hide to nothing, mate. If you face any guy who wants to just, who wants to go to the ground, you've had it, basically. So it's a takedown defence that's the key, isn't it? Dillian White's talked about that, I think, that if you can, if yes. you can thwart, the, thwart the shoot when they shoot on you, that you can then mm. you can go from there if you're, if you're a striker in the MMA cage. It's called a sprawl, and you'd have to sprawl out. You know, you have to be effective of getting up and down quickly. Uh, as I say, I've done it for, for a number of years. I can do sprawls, and I can get you up and down quick. But as I say, when you're in there with the big boys and, like, really good wrestlers, you've absolutely had it, mate. You really have, mm. so... It's all well and good training, but there is so many different techniques. This is why I love watching it so much. You know, the likes of 
John Jones, he's mastered every discipline. He's a brilliant wrestler. He's fantastic with the jiu-jitsu. His striking's pretty good. You know, everything about John Jones is he, he's probably the premier, you know, fighter in the world when it comes to UFC because he's mastered all the arts. Conor McGregor is a completely different story. Conor McGregor is, mm. is an amazing striker. His timing is absolutely pimp, you know, pinpoint perfect. So they all come with different things. The thing with Conor McGregor is he crosses over and he crosses over to the general, you know, the general man and woman on the street because of his, yeah. you know, braggadocious ways and the way he carries himself and the way he forms himself. I'm his biggest fan, you know, do not knock it. I absolutely love him. I think Conor McGregor is a breath of fresh air and he's fantastic, a true pioneer of the sport. But he comes with a certain set of skills and he has his weaknesses, you know, his weakness is on the floor. Uh, with someone like a John Jones, he doesn't have any weaknesses that I've seen. Uh, mm. I've seen him probably in the greatest fight UFC's ever seen against Alexander Gustafsson, uh, and he was just fantastic. So even even a, even in a, an absolute fifty-fifty fight where he goes all the way, he was still brilliant, mate. Uh, and I just I don't know how you would beat someone like John Jones if you're in the UFC. Yeah, it's talk of Engano meeting John Jones, isn't there? At some point, there's been a negotiation. Yeah. What would you make of of that prospect? If Obviously, if Jones went up, uh, yeah, it's 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 interesting, but I just don't think I don't, I don't think John Jones would be stupid enough to stand with Ngannou. So he would just basically mm. it would not surprise me. I've seen Anderson Silva do it many times. I've seen the likes of uh, there's a, a fantastic light like, every week, but uh, Damian Meyer. Uh, I've seen you know so many fights over the years who are fantastic jujitsu guys, and the, I'm not, I've seen it happen. They get on the start of the fight goes the first bell goes and they lie on the back and they won't get up and they say come to me and they, you know it's like come to my world if john jones lies on his back and says to him to come and get me and garnu's had it mate he will tie me yeah. knots i'm pretty sure uh and also john jones got very very good with his legs you know so yeah i say and garnu has a puncher's chance <clears throat> against absolutely anybody but do, would i fancy him against john jones absolutely not no so you picked Dillian White in the boxing ring and Ingano in the in the in the cage. You think, just about, or maybe give Dillian a chance. No, I, 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 I give Dillian every chance in a cage. I, I mean, it's easy pickings in a boxing match. It, it's really, it's it's easy. It's a one side down beaten. In a cage, I make Ingano favourite. Yes, but I, it, you know, I, I give Dillian the greatest chance of any other boxer going in a cage and winning. I would I would make Ingano sixty forty favourite. This is Umar Ahmed for IFLC, being associated with MTK Global. For the first time in lockdown, I'm joined by Sonny Edwards. Finally got you on. Yeah, I know you've been chasing me around a little bit. A very little bit. Um, <laughs> obviously, I had your brother on yesterday with Simon Frank Warren and has joined the same team. Yeah. Just do your reaction to that news, Sonny. Well, I mean, obviously, it's something that's been... I've known about for a little while. Do you know what I mean? As long as it's been something. Um... But like um, Charlie said multiple times yesterday in, in, in his interviews, um, he's seen firsthand how I've been looked after and, and treated with Frank. I mean, not only that, as in we're, we're very similar weights. He comes from a bit of a better amateur background than I have. Do you know what I mean? Um, so we've got things to compare to. Do you know what I mean? So 
we know how much typically a, a British super flyweight fight gets paid, etc. Do you know what I mean? There's there's a lot of things that we can use of each other. Do you know what I mean? So um, that's one one side of things, and also um, sometimes you just need a refresh. You know, um, sometimes things get very like, you know, everything same same, and I think that um, that became a factor as well because he had been with. Uh, Eddie for about six years and they had a great relationship and um, that Charlie was the first one to say that and come out and say that Eddie's done so much for him and, he, and he's always been very much saying that there, I mean I think there's one quote that they've really tried to sort of drag out which was um, Charlie saying he felt he got taken a little bit for granted um, like but if you actually the, 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 the full whatever it was like he goes into and explain what he meant he just thought that he was still sort of looked at as the same lad that walked in, you know, to the pro game. Mm. Um, and really, he's 16 fights down the line and he's been a world champion. Like, I don't know, he just felt... Sometimes boxers, they need to feel loved and I feel like that's a big thing. And um, and I, this will speak to every boxer, I, I think, and I think it will speak directly to them. Like, maybe fans won't understand it as much and they'll, they'll be looking... Because I know there's a lot of people question, oh, why the jump, why now, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but sometimes boxers need to feel a little love, and I think that's a lot of the case. And like you've seen that with other fighters, you know, doing the you know the reverse going from Frank to 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 Matchroom, and and, and you you will see it from now on to the end of time. You know, when 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 boxes change, sometimes it's not personal. It's and sometimes it's not even just business. Sometimes there's that deeper reasons. You know what I mean? There's like what fits your life and and why at what certain time. One sec, so. Can you see me? Sorry, my battery was back. No, you're back. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, people were asking yesterday, though, the fact that Kalyafai, uh, Estrada, Rungasai have all fought on Matram Bills recently, all promoted yeah. by Matram. Why is Charlie making that move? It's going to be more difficult to make them fight, surely. That's what fans are asking. Yeah, I mean, the exact reason only Charlie can ever tell you. I mean, I know his thinking, but I only know what he tells me, etc. But Charlie's only ever been into one contract with, with, with Eddie Hearn. Do you know what I mean? And that's I, when he was a world champion. And don't get me wrong, like I said, Eddie's been very good to Charlie. And it's not really like the fact that they like left of each other or parted on bad terms. It's just Charlie had his whole career just sort of going fight by fight, good relationship, was getting opportunities, was happy. Do you know what I mean? He was. Um, then had the stage in his career where he knows what he's earning in this fight, his next fight, he knows when it's roughly going to be. Well, do you know what I mean? Like, he, he had a contract, he had that security, which fighters crave. As a fighter who has a short career, you crave financial security, even fight date security. Do you know what I mean? It's, you crave that. So he went from, you know, having that for the, the contract when he was world champion to, like, there was never, like, a conversation really, like, oh, what's, what's going on? But... The contract didn't get offered that to, to, to the best of my knowledge, like two forthcoming. So, I mean, there was conversations, etc. They wanted to still work with with Charlie. Like Eddie was trying to make the carry fire fight very recently. Like, and that's a fight that Charlie still still dreams of. But Charlie stalled his career the first time round chasing Cal. He's not going to do it a second time, on the hope of getting these big fights. Like it's right, all them fighters being there, but there's nothing to say that you're actually going to get those fights. Does that make sense? Yeah, no. And last time he pulled his career heavy and was shelved. Had two eight rounders in a year. That was a year off his career. 
Do you know what I mean? So there's a lot. And I feel like at this stage of Charlie's career, you know, it's like he's been a world champion now. He's moving up weights. He's going to have a comeback fight. And then maybe he's going to be at bantamweight. So he can afford to drop down from, obviously, he's been at world level. He can drop down to, like, British level, European level, and have a few fights there. Do you know what I mean? He can really do that. And then build that couple of fights. Because he's only still, like, he's only 27. He doesn't, like... It's like for me, it's not like how I would look at it. Is if you're moving up weight, have a couple of good, meaningful fights that people are interested in, in the way up to pushing for a big world title. Get yourself in the best position to be there and earn it as well. Because yeah, he's got a good name promotionally, and he could probably get chucked in the deep end right right now straight away. Because with his name, you know, like the attention he brings to to to, to the, the flyweight, super flyweight, and maybe now bantamweight division. He can get the opportunities. Like he's shown that he had two world fight, world title fights in what 13, 14 fights, and he never won a European title or anything. Do you know what I mean? He won a British title, so it shows that he can get them. Now you've done that. You've had four like in a fifteen, sixteen fight career. He's had four world title fights. Sonny, you've been right. with Frank since day dot. Um, Charlie had been yesterday with Frank for one day. He'd already got an interview with Frank. You, you never did. Uh, What's going on? <laughs> nah, I told, him, I told him to make sure he mentioned that. Nah, because it's good. It's good. Like, you got to remember, when I joined Frank, I joined right starting point as a, as, a, as a good amateur background. Had a couple of fights of pro. I think I was 3-0. But this was always the plan, really. You know, have a couple of fights with MTK and then get, get a good promotional deal. Frank was very, very interested in working with me and did. But, the first like year, first year and a half, I was just sort of learning my trade, going through the early fights. Like Frank didn't sign a a world ready fighter. Do you know what I mean? Like he did with my brother, someone that's a former world champion. So, so obviously, I but I feel like it's gonna be it's gonna be great. And I know, I know, but I think it's gonna be great for us. Like already, they're talking people people wanting to see us on the same show, etc. Like it's a good selling point. And if me and Charlie can start, I don't know, getting. You know how there's like the Daniel Dubois shows? Do you know how there's the like, not even really Anthony Yard shows? Like, he, he's sort of a double act. He's like the supporting act to Daniel Dubois. Do you get me? You know, well, for I, the, think these definitely, headlines. I think Yard will have his own shows, definitely. No, uh, uh, of course, 100%. Uh, of course, 100%. But uh, what I'm saying is they sell quite well as two good fights Yard and Dubois in London Arena. Like, what I'm saying is me and Charlie could start building up, like, as in. We could be two of the main fights on one of these, maybe York Hall, maybe down the future, or big fights with a good card, like something like Copper Box. Like, it could do very well for us, you know what I mean? And it's like an extra selling point, extra talking point, us fighting on the same night. I think, you know, it doesn't seem to happen all too often. And now we've got a chance to make it happen. And like, obviously, it'll be a bit of like a logistical where one will have to go first, one will have to go after, depending on how big the fight is, or one will want to go you know, like, the second TV fight and then one we want to go to the last or whatever, do you know what I mean? But um, just so our, our trainer can be with us the whole time. But, yeah, it's exciting. We've only ever fought once on the same show and that was the amateurs in my first, I think my fourth or fifth amateur fight. So it's well, crazy. Whether you're both going for world titles or defending world titles, who knows, by the time that you're on the same card, that will be something special. I don't think that's been ever been done by two brothers on the same bill. Yeah, I don't I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I don't think. Would you get dressed up uh, in a suit or half a suit if you was doing an interview with Frank? What was that all about? Um, well, 
<laughs> I can't imagine it's you. Charlie. It's just Charlie, isn't it? Like, this is what I'd wear. I, I think I've worn this to a press conference one way or another. And it's, uh, it's a Boohoo Man twin set with shorts. Do you know what I mean? So I think that's the difference between me and Charlie. Huh? What clothing range are you sponsored by? I was at President's Club for for a few fights. Um, but now I'm a free agent, me. Free agent. If, unless you've got any connections. <laughs> Not me personally. But no, nah, to be fair, a few, a few places like this, they send me stuff out and that. But I'm just in, like, I'm in no massive um, like rush to try and chase down sponsors at the moment. I feel like there's more important things in there. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, Dan Kinnan would have said to, to Charlie about, you know, moving to Frank, etc. advised him on that. But I'm sure, as you've been with Frank for ages, um, since day dot, he would have been asking you questions about Frank as well. Um, of course. I mean, but he's seen it. Like, Charlie would have spun around and seen every negotiation, every opponent offered, every length in between the times I got offered a fight and had the fight he would have been seen how often I was in between camps without having no fight day like he's seen all of this and he liked what he's seen like I've been looked after very well like I've I've said again and again and again and I think this would have strengthened my position like for me personally having my brother former champion former British champion like there beside me on the same platform because then it's another selling point that BT Frank Warren NTK they can help push you know, it gets pushed enough because it doesn't always happen too often. Like, you know, getting two fighters at a similar level at the same time. You know what I mean? It is, it is a USP. It's a unique selling point. So, we've still got to get the work in. Nothing changes. Got to get in the gym, get the work in. And it probably makes it just that little bit more competitive, you know, as mad as that sounds. And Charlie might not think of this at all, but I'm a very competitive person. And never for a second would I ever want him not to do anything or not succeed or not win. Or, but I just want to be the best at everything I do. So, Every show I've ever been on, it's gone in my head that I want to be the best fighter on that show, like perform the best every single time. Do you understand me, more? Every every single time, I'll be warming up thinking oh, I'm going to steal the show tonight. That's why I make a point of trying to win every time. And yeah, I like a couple times yeah, yeah. And that's not going to change because Charlie's on the card. It's going to make it worse because if he's the best on there, yo, that's going to be mental. You know what I mean? Have you heard? Uh, anything from Frank Warren about when you could be out? We're hearing shows potentially in August for Frank. No, I don't know how much I can actually say, but I was offered a fight um, mid-July. You know, that's the dates that people are chucking about. When I, I was offered a, a date mid-July, a title, a, an opponent, everything. I said yes to everything, but I said, give me at least the 1st of August. That's what I said personally. And I made it no secret. I did get out of shape, you know, through lockdown. I enjoyed myself. Did you? Um, I don't need a massive amount of time. I said from the first of August, I'm ready to go. You know what I mean? So um, I said that, and then it was like, cool. So for me, that's what I'm looking at. Any any time in August, I'm in camp now. This is I'm well. My third week of training is well, well underway. Like my food's been good. I've already lost like four over four kilos in about two weeks. I mean, I'm not. I'm flying to be honest, and I feel quite fit and sharp already, which is surprising. Well, I guess the, the opponent you was offered for mid-July would have been British because I doubt by then that anyone's flying in. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to speak too much, but it depends what your, your definition of British is. Okay, maybe not British, but he's living here. I don't know. That's, it might still happen, so I don't want to give it away because then, you know, 
Because I've said yes to this opponent to defend one of my titles, hopefully attack something else onto it. So obviously that's that's the title and stuff is all permitting the board if they whether they let the title fights because they're not sure yet. They said no initially, but they're not sure because you know what I mean. So will you be fighting for a world title next year, Sonny? I think so. My management thinks so. My promoter wants me to. I could have a world title fight next time, I believe, if I really wanted to force my hand. Not wise, though, is and it? I, maybe not um, in the sense of maybe because of the lockdown. Maybe not in the sense of I'm not ready. But I know the, 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 the definite that I know is it makes sense for me career-wise to take another fight before I think about a world title, let's put it that way. You know, you know, obviously our contracts are set up and, and timing is, is is everything, as cliche as that sounds. But um, it makes a lot of sense to me to do that. So right now, I just want to finish off the, or get into the year and finish off the year probably with a win. And then when we get back to normal and we haven't got to worry about not being able to go down to the gyms and whatnot and no crowds, then push for the world title. Because one thing's for sure, I wouldn't have a world title with no fans. No chance. I'm not taking that moment away from myself. No, I, I agree. What about the uh, Marcel Braithwaite rematch? Obviously, after the fight, you said that you would give him a rematch, even though you won. Yeah, I mean, and it's still something that, of course, I would fight him. Like, there's no disrespect to him. I felt, even though he gave me that little, you know, moment of panic, well, I didn't really panic, but, you know, some people get put down. Like, even though he gave me that, and he had a decent second round, like, I won every other minute of the rest of the fight fairly comfortably without really having to get out of second gear whilst at two bad hands like people can believe that they don't have to believe that but anyone that knows was around me during the build-up to that fight knows exactly what you know what I mean um including people that we have mutuals you know your Lyndon Arthur's Elfers you know what I mean they knew um but I would 100% I'll fight him anytime but last time I suggested him put to BT and BT went we had him on our last fight night that fight do you know what I mean? Mm. That, 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 so that's the main issue. Like, I can, I can say, yes, that's how I want to fight. But like, boxers, obviously, we have a say. But we have more of a say of like, fighters we don't want to fight. Like, we can try and suggest fighters. But when you've just beat them very wide on the scorecard, it's like... Because they have to pay good purses. You know what I mean? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a very well-paid um, super flyweight. It's like, so I need to earn my money. And, I, I'm, and I'm happy to. But... Like I said, like I said to him the whole time, I want to win my British outright. That's the goal. So become mandatory. Simple. No one else is putting in for it, so that should be a very easy task. A very easy task. All right, Sonny. Well, I'll let you go unless there's anything you want to add. Um, no, no, nothing really. I mean, I feel like I was cheating on the FIFA tournament a little bit. I oh, mean, really? you made out. There was a lot of controversy, and I feel like I could use my platform with the, 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 the owner of the tournament, Umar, the, the, the CEO and the chairman of the, um, the tournament, Umar Ahmed. But, I mean, apart from Billy Joe using France twice, which was against the rules, that was, it was good fun. Yeah, I wanted and to I I Billy Joe to go through. That's no secret, I'll say on it. <laughs> nah, nah, Billy Joe, good player from what I played, yeah. But there was just a lot of controversy surrounding it. And, and, and Umar, you was a bit... You you was making it so Billy had every opportunity to get through. Yeah, that's what. That's oh, oh you're admitting it. Right, well, yeah. Okay, well at least you're honest. I mean that's better than FIFA, I suppose. <laughs> Seb Blatter always used to deny it. 
Probably why I was in your job a lot longer than you was. Um, but yeah, it was it was for a good cause. I went it a lot. Did more. they all win? They won. No, there's uh, one semi-finals left for the finals. That's so. what I thought. That's still going. Yeah, still going. Who's in it still? Um, Nav, who does Tyson Fury's clothes, uh, Joe Cordina, and someone else. I can't remember. Fellow from Cordina, the clubs, I think. So Cordina beat um, Momo and then Kid Gallagher. Yeah. yeah. Cordina's meant to be a good player. And they, Fair is that, yeah. Yeah, meant to be a good player. All right, so I think thanks for talking to IFL TV. I'm sure we'll catch your word soon. Um, but yeah, look sure. off. All right. Cheers, you, mate. See you later. Seconds out, delighted to be joined by welterweight Luther Clay. How are you doing? Yeah, man, I'm good yourself. Yeah, yeah, very good, considering everything that's going on, although I guess things are easing just a little bit now. How have you been kind of keeping up with things while all this has been going on? How much training have you been able to get in? Uh, I really haven't been doing much apart from um, like um, going to the park and doing like pull-ups and some push-ups and stuff and Doing that kind of calisthenic work, um, haven't had access to the boxing gym or any kind of boxing place. So like, at at first I was like really on it, like all the running, but then like I think it, like as the weeks went on, I think after like three four weeks, I was just like, oh, I need to ease off because I can only run and do something for so long until I just get bored. So I've just the only thing I've been consistently doing is do, doing some pull ups and push ups, a bit of like stuff with the kettlebell. But other than that, man, I've just been taking it easy because I um, didn't really know when things were going to calm down. So I was like, I don't really want to overstress myself, overwork myself until we kind of know what's happening. Now, I want to ask you, is Luther Clay your real name? Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> it's it an alias, like, like a Marvel <laughs> hero or something. <laughs> it's a ring alias because uh, my, my, my real name is Lutando Timkulu. Um, but obviously... On the when it's written down, it, it um it messes with people because it looks more complicated to say than it is. And then whenever I was walking in um to like the announcer was saying my name, the MC or like interviews, people would always butcher it. And then um uh I didn't really care because obviously I grew up with it. People saying it like you know, but Al, my manager was like, I'm so tired of this. People don't remember your name. We need a name that's easy to remember. So then he just came up with. Okay, we're gonna shorten down Lutando to Luther, and then um, we're just gonna get a different name. He was like going Luther Brown, Luther Black. I was like, Fuck <laughs> it they ended up with Luther Clay, and that's how that happened. Was that because um, of Cassius Clay? Um, nah, what? nah. This is what happened. This this is what happened. He was just saying random names, and I think at one point he said Luther Tyson. I was like, what? You might as well say Luther Clay. At least that sounds better like, as a joke. Then he was like, yes, perfect. <laughs> And that's so how you we were close lucky. to being Luther Tyson. Yeah. <laughs> how many and, fights into your pro career was it before you changed the name? Um, I believe it was. I believe it was before the fight. The fight before the Danny Crayon fight. So maybe 
maybe fight number six or to fight number five, something like that. Now, you were born in South Africa, of course, but talking to you now, you sound accent-wise about as South African as me. So <laughs> how old were you when you came over here? I came over here when I was um, uh, six years old. Yeah, it makes sense. I've been in 2002, 2003. Uh, but, you know, we go back every single year for about a month, two months, since 2003, basically. So, yeah, just it's good to always go back home and everything and stay in touch with the family and old friends and everything. What was the reason for your family coming over here and bringing you over here um, when you were so young anyway? What was their reason for coming? Um, well, here in England, um, the only part of my family that's actually here is just me, my mum, my dad and my little sister. The rest of the family is all back to South Africa, so we've got no other family here. Um, so the reason for that was um, my mum, I, I believe in the early 2000s, there was a shortage of nurses and stuff. Right, yeah. So, they, so the, the government um, was allowing our working visas to, they were just recruiting nurses from different countries and stuff and bringing them into the UK and allowing them to stay with um I think it was um, indefinite work visas at the time. Obviously, if you stayed for a amount of time and um, everything was okay at work, then they allowed you to stay. And then, um, so we stayed for, for, we just basically came and then they ended up staying because my parents just ended up liking it because uh, in South Africa at the time, obviously, um, you know, there's good and bad, but <clears throat> it's very um, top heavy. You're either good or you're very bad. And then, so like when we moved here, they just noticed that like the, the quality of living and life was a bit better here and uh money wise my mom was earning more money and um she decided to stay then we followed her after two years after she came so she came first and then we followed her two years after and is she still nursing now yeah she's at yeah she's still nursing she's actually finishing she finishes uh in like three four days uh she's going to be retiring so yeah, she, she's been nursing for all them years. So this crazy pandemic has come along just before she was set to retire. That must have been a bit of a shock to the system. Yeah, to be honest, it was very worrying because she's actually been working in the Corona wards. So she's been working in the wards and uh, we were all worried about her. She, <coughs> she, actually decided to, um, she actually decided to stay in our own, um, like rent out a little room for herself so she could be away from us because she was concerned that she was going to pass it on to us. So she, she's been actually... Only see my mum twice uh, since this whole thing happened. So yeah, um, and it was concerning because as it happened, when it started happening, she had about maybe 14, 16 weeks of work. Then she was tired. So then, obviously my mum's not old, but she is um, mid fifties. So like we'll be all a bit worried when it started happening. But luckily, she's been fine this entire time and um, just complete this week. And then you know she'll be she'll be done with everything. So you still live at home with your family? You're in Bracknell, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I live at home, mum, my dad, and um, sister as well. And what's that like, being kind of a professional athlete but still living at home? Is it good in a way? You get a lot of stuff done for you? Or? Yeah, for me, um, it is good because, you know, professional boxing, like, you don't really, like, a lot of people don't know, but it's, you don't start making money, really, on a consistent basis, unless you're with a, like, sign of a promoter or you're like a, 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 a a small hall show fighter, but with a good fan base, you're probably not making money. Most of the time you're breaking even. And um, maybe you make maybe a couple hundred here and there. So like a lot of a lot of boxers have to work uh, part-time or even full-time to support themselves. And 
it was good for me because obviously I'm living at home and I'm not having to pay like uh, worry about rent and stuff like that too much and can chuck a little bit but it's not you know it's, it's not the same as renting out your own place and having to work a lot and and of course I haven't got like kids or anything so like it allowed me to just focus on the boxing. Before all this happened you were on an amazing run I mean you're still on the run but obviously it's been delayed eight fights um, win streak and the last two fights on matchroom shows on TV as well so people have got to see you excel and against good opposition as well how kind of what first of all actually what's the secret behind this kind of great form that you're on and, and the more prominence you're getting at the moment uh I, I think the main thing um i would say the main attribute is obviously my management has uh progressively brought me along up and up um like during the matches obviously you start off at low level and you pick up but a lot of people end up a lot of british prospects and always end up fighting like a rotation of the same journeyman and they end up maybe with like um the same number of fights or more than me but they haven't developed or to the point where i have so uh all credit goes to my management our siesta and and, my, and um the way he's brought me along like every every fight it's been a gradual step up, step up, step up, step up. And then to the point where I am now, it, it's allowed me to do a lot of learning on the job and be able to just get better as a fighter altogether. And um, I, I think that's the main thing. I think you learn a lot from the fights that you're having. If you're having, even if you're like a very good boxer, but you're, you're, you're always fighting, like you know, journeymen that are um, there to do a job and uh, maybe like survive and, you know what I mean, and do certain stuff, you're not really going to, be able to learn you can learn in the gym but you're not gonna there's things that you learn in the fight when you're in you know, when you're in the trenches and in a fight like there's certain skills that are developed like timing and being able to get hit with punches but know how to like if you get hurt you, you know you know how to survive a bit recover and come back and you know when you're down on points you know when you need to pick it up there's a little things that you, that you learn that wouldn't i wouldn't really say our skills but maybe experience and, and i think that's allowed me to um, excel and keep keep rising the opposition and keep winning. And the last time I saw you, not long been open boxing booth gym, you were there with Adam Martin again, who you hadn't been with for that long. How disappointing was it so soon after moving into the new gym that this all hit and you kind of had to take a break from it? Yeah, uh, it's a bit. It's it's been like a. It's been a bit of a. I was, it's been like it's weird because it's been like 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 I've been consistent this whole entire time of my career, and this has been like a big roadblock, like like proper hit the brakes on everything because I just moved to Adams Martin, uh, Adam Martin's gym of Adam Booth and um, their setup, and I was uh, getting used to we get used to each other training and stuff, and then obviously um, the opportunity came to fight um, Chris Congo on uh, the. Uh, Josh Kelly and Avanasi and Bill, yeah. and um, it was it, it that opportunity. It was like just couldn't say no to that, and so we were training very well. In total, it was probably about eight, week, uh, twelve week camp, so it was a very good camp. Um, and then just everything like a week before the fight, everything just gets cancelled. Then just like it's it, uh, yeah, it's just been a bit of a emotional roller coaster, really. Is that fight still likely to happen? What's the kind of word that you've been hearing? Well, obviously, we've been hearing that. Um, obviously, we all know about the fight camp 
that Eddie Hearn been proposing and everything. Yeah. Um, there've been talks about the fight, but I've said to my, I've, I've personally said to my management, I've said, I'm personally right now, I'm interested in that fight when it's on the similar stage, like that it was on similar person, similar stage, similar exposure. That's what I want. Um, I know. I, I understand that the situation right now with the pandemic has shut everything down and um, th- they proposed it to be on the July-June matchroom fight camp. But for me personally, I've, if anyone knows that you're a small home fighter, your, your biggest dream is to make it to the big stage, like O2 or Wemb, whatever, I'm on the cards and I was just there. And, and for me, that's what I wanted and that's what I would want that fight on because it's my biggest fight to date. It's going to be my biggest purse biggest everything and then for it to come down and be on that I'm I'm not really super interested in that I want it to be staged on that kind of similar event which yeah things have slowed down now but things will pick up again soon I'm sure that's kind of what I wanted to ask in that I understand why you'd want to hang on until it's a similar um, status as the original fight but is there any concern on your part that you might have to spend the next few months, maybe even the rest of the year out? Because we don't expect there to be many small hall shows, certainly, for the rest of the year. And so matchroom, it could be a case of take what's there or, or wait a little while. Yeah, I, I understand the whole take what's there and wait uh, rather than wait. But what people have to realise is that not only is it not a similar stage, purses have been cut. So it's a situation of it's that, it's the stage as well, and then the person's been cut. And not only that, this isn't a run-of-the-mill fight. It's no. it's a very, very hard fight. It's a, it's like a it's 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 for me, it's like my super fight. It's like, you know, Kelly's having nice and this is my this is my super fight. So like for me, I'm like, well, I can either take what's given to me or I can bet on myself and wait out and see what happens because as we've all seen, this pandemic thing is not exactly what has been made out to be. Like, it's been bad. People have died. But at the same time, it's not, it's not like, it's not what has been made out to be. Like, we all didn't think that boxing would even be coming back, you know, this early. So it's very hard to say that towards the end of the year, do you know what I mean? Towards the end of the year that there might not be no shows like, you know, do you know what I mean? So we have to see. Like anyone who says that you're one hundred percent sure that there won't be no uh ticket shows towards the end of the year, you can't be sure because even now just the behind closed door shows have happened sooner than people expected. So for me it's a case of I'll wait, survey the situation and see what happens because it's still only what's it? Is it is, is it May now? It's May. Yeah. End of May, coming into June. So it's still early. We still got six months of the year left. So, you know, we've got to wait and see. You obviously got the WBO global belt. Is that right? No, gold belt. Global. Global. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Too many belts. That's not your fault. Um, Yeah, that's not my fault. (laughs) Fans to remember that. (laughs) Is that the um, route that you want to go down? Is it the WBO route? I think you're number 11 in the latest rankings. Um, I think... I think it also goes that look if I'm bit, if I'm going to be honest if I look at some of the names in that WBO list I'm not at the le- I'm not at that level yet if if we're going to be 100% honest like maybe in 
maybe in the next um, eight to 12 months, I, I would, I could look at that list again and try pick off a name that I could um, go into a fight with. I have been doing that. There's some names that look on there and I think I could, you know what, maybe in six to eight months, I could be ready for that guy or in a couple of fights time. Um, I think for me, I would like to see what happens this year. Um, do the Chris Congo fight, get past that fight, if um, and then and then maybe I can look at that list again. But uh, for me, it's it's just uh, it's it's not something I pay t- like close to pay attention to because it's not like the British rankings and the you know if if you're a British fighter, you can look at the um, you can look at the British rankings. You can go Southern Area English British, then you can choose to go European. But for me, it's more of a case of um. Just going up the ladder, picking good fights, picking uh, fighting good people, and excelling um, due time. And then, you know, yeah, the WBO list is just one of those. I, do you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not even, I'm not a top twenty, top fifty fighter, so I can't be looking at the looking at the top eleven in the WBO and saying I'm going to fight this guy. So it's it's just a, it's just a belt. It's it's a nice um, thing to have, and it's a bargaining chip as well. But I'm not looking too much at it. It's a very refreshing attitude. Yeah, I mean, we all want big paydays, but, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I will say this. If, 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 if I got a call from the WBO saying, would you fight number eight for 20, 30, 50,000? I'd be like, yeah, cool, you know. But, <laughs> you know, that's the money of the day. But um, it's not something where, you know, really looking at too much. I would say, not we, I'd say I. I don't know what Al, Al's looking at or whatever. But, yeah, I let, I let him handle all that. Brilliant. Well, before I let you go, just let people out there know, I know we've asked this before, what your main social media handles are so they can find you. Yeah, on Instagram, it's uh, Black Panther Boxing and on Twitter, it's LuthaClay95. And yeah, that's all I use, really. Brilliant. Well, really appreciate your time and I look forward to visiting you at the gym sometime in the near future. Excellent, man. Thanks, thanks for interviewing me, man. All right, take care. Speak to you soon. Cheers. Danny Flexen here for Seconds Out. Delighted to be joined by Terry Harper, WBC Super Featherweight Champion of the World. I'm sure you never get tired of hearing that. And no. perhaps not quite as importantly, the 100th interview of my lockdown life. <laughs> so that's that's an honour of sorts, I suppose. Um, that's quite good though, to be fair. Uh, you've been busy. I was saying to Andrew... Um, I rang him last week and I was saying I've never done as many interviews in my life like since I've been in lockdown, but um, it's made me get used to him a bit more. I'm not used to people calling him Andrew. It comes up on my phone as Andrew as well, or it did until I added him to my contacts. It just seems strange, <laughs> but yeah, you yeah. obviously know him very well. Um, <clears throat> WBC Super Featherweight Champion, as we said at the start of the interview, the memories of winning that belt must be still relatively fresh in the memory as it was the last fight before lockdown. How do you reflect on it now as a performance? Um, well, I start off saying like, it was a very special night. Um, 
I think it was an important night for me in my career. And like having that big win, it's made me realise that um, I belong on these big stages and that I can I can fight these top level girls because that's always something I've always probably lacked is self belief. So I think after that fight, I, I just thought to tennis now or never tell you, you've got to start believing in yourself and it, it's coming. And when you look at it now, is that kind of the best victory of your career so far? Obviously, she'd reigned for a while. She's a respected figure, Ava Wallström. And you got the job done in impressive fashion. It wasn't a particularly close fight at the end. Yes, I, it, I felt comfortable during the fight. And there's a lot more that I could have done. But I think the one thing I'm lacking is experience. And I've not been able to show everyone what I'm capable of. Um, there's, there's lots of stuff that I, I know sparring's completely different, but there's lots of stuff I can do in sparring. But, yeah, I've still got to learn on how to do that on the big night, on the big stages. But, yeah, like I said, I think it's just due to the lack of experience as a pro and as an amateur. Do you think your skills, your technical skills, get discounted a little bit sometimes? Whenever I see commentary, or you don't see commentary, sorry, whenever I hear the commentary or I read reports, it always seems to focus on your work rate, your fitness and your physical strength. Do, do you feel like your skills get neglected by by people that are watching a little bit? Um, I never really thought that one before. Um, <laughs> I'll take it all back. I know. <laughs> yeah, I, like I said, I just don't think I've really had the opportunity to uh, to show what I can really do. And me deep down, I know that um, I've got loads more levels and loads more gears in me, but it's just... Um, getting that experience, getting that confidence to then for me to push my boundaries and um, explore what I can do. Just before um, lockdown began, the fight was scheduled between yourself and Natasha Jonas, domestic clash. Although she was an excellent amateur and no one doubts her ability, in terms of kind of professional accomplishments, does it feel like a slight step down or at least sideways from Ava Wallström? Um, obviously, Natasha aren't really... She's not she's not fetching a belt or anything for the table. She's but obviously Tasha's got the um all the amateur experience. Obviously that I believe amateur and professional games completely different. Um but I think but I think like Eddie says, it's a good good domestic fight and, and I think me fighting Tasha is kind of a stepping stone in being able to boost my uh, my profile and stuff like that and become more of a home well known name. We haven't seen many female fights headlining shows in the UK. Uh, obviously, we saw Katie Taylor do it, didn't we, not too long ago in, I think it was Manchester. And now, assuming everything still goes ahead as planned once lockdown's finished, you get your chance to do that against Natasha. So that must be a pretty big thing in itself, the kind of event side of it, rather than just the fight. Yeah, it's it's crazy, to be honest. Like, never in a million years I would have thought I'd be in this position. And obviously... Um, being on the undercard of Katie Taylor at Manchester Arena and um, seeing how, how amazing the atmosphere was there, sold out arena, and then that now's my chance to headline. And obviously, um, co-headlining at Sheffield for Kel Broke, that was also a very good experience, uh, walking out towards the end of the night and all crowds hyped up. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to now have my chance and headline the show. And as a defending world champion as well, which must add just the icing on the cake. Yeah, definitely. Um, it would have been better than Doncaster, though. I was just about to say, it was obviously supposed to be in, in Doncaster before the lockdown. From what you're hearing, kind of latest news, either from your manager or promoter or whatever, 
presumably it is going to be behind closed doors now. And what what are you hearing about dates and stuff? When do you think it might be? So we did the uh, the press conference with Eddie a few weeks back, and um, Eddie was telling us plans are for July. Um, but yeah, we've, we've I've had no set date, so I'm just aiming for um, mid July. That's my guess. But I've been training non-stop since the Eva fight. I'm only thinking earlier that as soon as I had the Eva fight, I jetted off on holiday and even on holiday I was training. So I've been preparing this fight for for months. I could say. Um, during lockdown, I've stuck to my training two times a day and I've just stayed ready. And you've got to believe as well that as the challenger, she's doing exactly the same thing and, and trying to kind of train as hard as she can during lockdown as well. Yeah, I hope so. There were, there were one thing that kind of worried me and Andrew that Eddie said on the press conference um, saying he don't want fighters to feel like they're being pushed into a fight, um, like boxing's being brought back too soon. So... That's, that's kind of put questions in my head. Is Tasha going to be ready? Is Tasha um, preparing for this fight ready for July? Because I don't want it, I don't want it to come to July of next few weeks we get a fight date and for Tasha to say she's not ready. Um, like, like I was been speaking to Andrew, Tasha's only a voluntary. And we don't really want to be waiting around. I want to be fighting in July on these. But it's an historic show. It's going to be looked back on in years to come. So, I suppose on the plus side... <laughs> You know, if, if for any reason it doesn't come off, it seems like at least half of my lockdown has been spent interviewing fighters calling you out. I don't know. Um, I, do you know what? At first, I used to take it quite personally. I used to think, why are they calling me out? And I used to, I used to think, what what is it that they see in me, why they can win me? But then I kind of thought, sat back and thought, I've got some of that they all want, that they're all chasing. It's the WBC belt, obviously, and that's... That's what gives me my extra motivation to wake up in the morning during lockdown, go out running or go training in my garage on my own. So that's that for me. That's my extra motivation to stay on top and stay on top of my game. Well, it's also the fact that it's a chance to box over here. Boxing's booming in Britain at the moment and challenging for that famous green belt, as you alluded to. I'm sure you've seen a couple of the interviews. I spoke to Michaela Mayer. She's keen to fight you. She's in a, a high-ranking position with the WBC. I think she was hoping that she'd get a shot at Ava Valstrom before you did. And, you know, tough lines to her. But Katerina Tanders as well, interim champion. So she's got a kind of shout at it as well. And, and they're all kind of queuing up for you. It must make you keep you motivated. Yeah, it's got to. Like I, like, like I said, I've got something that they all want and, and I want to keep that belt. So it's only right that I train just as twice as bad as what they are. Um, but yeah, like, like we were saying earlier, if, if, um, with the Tasha fight, like even if if Tasha comes turns around and says she's not ready, I'll be happy to fight uh, Thunders, who's mandatory. Or um, even looking at a fight, which which can't, may, may sound crazy, but even unification fight with Ubronica, Um I just think I've been training hard and non-stop. I've stayed ready. I've done what I've been told to do, and I just want to make sure I'm getting having a good fight in July. If you fight Brodnicka next, I think Michaela Mayer is going to start sticking pins oh, no. in a voodoo doll of you. <laughs> I think that would be icing on cake for her, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, I think she'd be really annoyed. <laughs> but yeah, that aside, um, I want to talk to you a little bit about um, your personal life, if that's all right. You, yeah. You've obviously got a long-term partner in Jen. And it seemed like a moment to me when in one of your recent fights, the Sky Sports cameras cut to Jen cheering you on from ringside and acknowledge the fact that she was your partner and so on. It seemed yeah. like 
a bit of a step forward in terms of equality and stuff. I don't know if you felt that too. Yeah, um, yeah, I did. We did an interview quite a bit back for um, for Sky, the LGBT month, and um, we touched upon that. But yeah, it's it's nice that they're showing my partner Jenna and. I've said it before numerous times that I don't think boxing fans are quite used to seeing a character like Jenna inside. But I'm so I'm I'm happy that they're showing my partner Jen and kind of showing what she's going through as well as what I am in the ring. What does she do for you? Obviously, your your partnership and everything. But I mean, what does she do for you in terms of the boxing? How much of a support is she for your career? Oh, everything during like we were saying earlier with this lockdown that she'll not be with me in fight week and stuff, but. Every fight week, Jenna's at my side. She's in them hotel rooms with me, um, keeping my head focused and just stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I said it's, it's going to be it's going to be very strange um, down in that hotel room on my own in Essex. But um, I'm sure a good FaceTime call will do the job. <laughs> and you're one of only I think it's seven world champions from the UK at the moment, and the only female um, UK world champion currently. You're also openly um, gay. Do you feel any kind of pressure that you're represent, or even an honour rather than pressure, that you're representing that you know LGBTQ plus community? Yeah. So for me, growing up, I always had um, a lot of people I looked up to, like Ellen DeGeneres and stuff like that. And it were always, like that for me were good, and it helped me be comfortable with who I am, and um, it helped me come out to my parents and family and friends and stuff like that so I think it's important for me to be fully open who I am I'd never I'd never change who I am I'd never hide um and I always said to Jen if I lose fans and followers from being openly gay then then so be it it's like no skin off my nose and if I can help someone who's struggling and come to terms with who they are then that's all that matters you say that about losing kind of fans and followers but have you found that or have you found it to be quite the opposite Obviously, I'm, I've, to be fair, I've had no, no negativity, which touch wood is, is, is quite rare to find on social media these days. Yeah, because I'm sure there are other um, gay boxers, both male and female, in the UK at the moment. But you're openly proud and happy to, to kind of involve people in your personal life. I don't think that's yeah. the case for everyone, but I think what you're saying is right in that people see you on TV, world champion, prominent. And maybe the next generation will be a bit more comfortable and a bit more, you know, less fearful of, of coming out publicly or in the public eye. Yeah, hopefully that's that's the plan. Just just be real, keep being you. And if if someone don't like it, then so be it. And um, Steffi Ball or Andrew, as you call him, <laughs> um, which is his actual name, obviously, I should probably call him it, um, was telling me that you've started a foundation. So t- tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, it's been it's been quite exciting during lockdown. To be fair, um, obviously had a few we've had a few Zoom meetings with us uh, marketing team, and like we've, we're working on um, setting up a foundation in order to inspire the next generation. And like, I want to be hands on with it. I want to be um, like helping someone achieve their goals. And and um, like I think all it takes is that one person to believe in you. So if I can do that for someone, then then I'll be happy. So. Yeah, I want to be hands on with it and getting kids or younger people like into the boxing as well as fitness stuff. Just just get them active and healthy. What's the kind of initial plans for it? What are you actually going to be doing? And will it start off locally and then expand? What's the plan? Yeah, the plans are uh, start off local and um, in and out of schools. 
we just I just want to uh, get the message across like no matter what walk of life you come from if like me I've been working in a chippy group in council house um literally I didn't I can't say I didn't have nothing because my dad dad gave me whatever, anything I wanted but I've, I've not had the luxury of growing up in a rich rich home rich family but uh, I just want to show that you can come from any walk of life and if you believe in something enough uh, and you work hard enough and you're determined you can get there. You mentioned about your um, childhood there and growing up in a council house and so on. Is there still kind of pinch yourself moments now, kind of top of the world, Sky Sports, soon to be headline act as well, and, and having that kind of humble beginnings? It must be, it must feel like you're dreaming still sometimes. Yeah, it's, it's mad. Like, I think this lockdown kind of gave me the opportunity to sit back and really soak in everything that was happening because. Um, and everything was just flying at 100 mile an hour. I'd have a fight and then next news comes in for the next fight. So this lockdown's really given me the opportunity and chance to sit back and think how far I've come in the last few years. And it's it's made me excited for what's going to come in in the next few years. Also, like me and Jen, we just got an, an house together, his first house. Um, so we've been working on that. That's been keeping us busy. And just, just little stuff like that. I've got... I'm driving around in a nice car. Before that, I was driving around in a little Fiesta and stuff. Not that material stuff happens, but it's, it's nice. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just enjoying every minute. So what are the future plans? What are the things you still want to achieve, both inside and outside the ring? Um, so I'll start with inside the ring. Um, obviously, want to get over to America at some point and, and box over there. And then I'd say outside of the ring, eventually I want to make enough money to buy myself an holiday home and hopefully that's where I'll retire um, fat and happy. Where, whereabouts is that likely to be? Uh, probably Canary Island, so it's nice weather all year round. Oh. I've been watching too much, um, what is it, Place in the Sun while, while we're in lockdown. Has that been your main thing to watch on TV when you've had your downtime, is it? Yeah, Place in the Sun, I watch. I watch a lot of YouTuber people's cheat days. <laughs> Doesn't that just tempt you, though? And you just torture yourself. It's strange. No, it's, it is a very strange one, but I know when I got them cravings, I think I'll just go watch a bit of YouTube. Well, and that makes up for it. It's like eating it yourself. Yeah, yeah. Without <laughs> the guilt. Well, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. And no, thank you. I'm glad the 100th interview was with a world champion. It's not every day I appreciate you can say that. <laughs> it's brilliant and um best of luck i really hope the fight does go ahead as scheduled can't wait to watch it and um yeah. it's been a pleasure and i'll speak to you soon hopefully out of lockdown yeah hopefully fingers crossed all right we'll take care and Thank see you stay safe and you bye bye Fuad here back on Behind the Gloves with another news update, keeping you guys up to date 
with all things boxing. Now, some good news um, just coming into me here. And you know what? It's a step forward in this whole madness that we're living in currently. Uh, so we can actually start talking about boxing, some serious boxing, not just fantasy matchups and all that uh, stuff that we've been going on about for weeks because we've had no boxing. But here's a tweet that I've taken from Michael Benson. It reads, The Nevada Commission have approved the return of boxing in America. They've today accepted requests from Bob Arum's top rank to stage shows on Tuesday, June 9th and Thursday, June 11th behind closed doors at the MGM Hotel in Las Vegas. Great news. Um, and it's just another step forward for another promotional company. Obviously, we know that Eddie Hearn is coming back with his uh, garden shows later on in July, I think. Uh, but it's good to see Bob Arum's top rank uh, coming back as well. A bit early as well. He's coming back in June. So we'll, it'll be interesting to see who's on those shows. Some good fighters out of that stable too. So great news. Nothing more that I can add to it. But there you have it. What are you guys' thoughts on that? Um, and yeah, are you, are you looking forward to it? So yeah, stay tuned for all the latest content coming up soon. Hey, Fi fans, it's Michelle Joy Phelps. If you haven't already subscribed to my YouTube channel, make sure you go ahead and do so by clicking this icon right here and hit the bell button so you can get notified every time we upload a new video. And we also have a free app available on iTunes and Google Play. So make sure you go ahead and download that. Bye, Fi fans.